Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. It is April the 6th. And uh, yeah, a lot of I have had a lot of interesting coaching calls from agents mm-hmm. all over the country today. Just lots of, uh, we were on Clubhouse this morning just talking with a bunch of different folks. I really like to have my day full of conversations that keep my mind um, sort of on all these different real estate markets, not just the United States. We're having yeah, that's true. Um, listeners that are, um, you know, certainly clubhouse attendees. We had a gentleman from France today who, by the way, he did know your uh, Sasha oh, yeah. Gaitry. That's yeah, cool. totally knew who he was. Uh, Sasha Gaitry is Julie's like great, great, great uncle, and he's a super famous uh, Parisian. And if you're from Paris specifically, you definitely know who Sasha Gaitry is. <laughs> But in any event, so... We had somebody from Portugal selling real estate, I think, last week. And surprisingly, Portugal actually operates fairly similarly to here. It does. So, yeah, I I mean, I think I love it, too. It's nice having different perspectives and different people to talk to. And, you know, the listeners hopefully are borrowing best practices from other markets, too. It You know, I guess the big takeaway is that everyone's experiencing a very similar seller's market all over planet Earth. Yes. That's the thing that's kind of very... It's interesting because mm-hmm. that's never – I can't think of a time um, – I bet you there's never been a time actually where it's been like that. And this is the this is the direct effect of essentially the, the bounce back from COVID. Yes. It I really think you're is. right. I mean I read an and demographics, of course. not too long ago about several, you know, literally ancient towns in Italy that had been forgotten about largely. You know, it's not like they've been rehabbed and have air conditioning or anything. And that these are like a hot commodity and people are buying entire blocks of those old towns and turning them into interesting housing and, you know, stuff that probably wouldn't have happened with without COVID. So I think it's really an interesting um, unintended consequence. You know, if you think that the premise of essentially being living in a city or close to a city the premise has always been that the quality of life is better, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be closer to work. You're going to be closer to school. You're going to be closer to the things that matter to you most and all these types of things. But it's not like like a lot of the qualities that you were attracted to by living in pick your suburb in you know, United States or even your city. Those qualities were still in the small towns. Um, they just weren't as plentiful. And but the main reason what's kept people uh, aside from familial, uh, you know, relations and mm-hmm. friends and all that, what's kept people so geographically bounded for generations? It's employment. Yeah, that's it. That's for the reason sure. people have stayed where they've stayed. And it's fascinating. Listeners, if you listen to uh, if you think about that for yourself, you probably because statistically this is true, you probably live within a 25 mile radius of the exact hospital that you were born in. Uh, you are you most totally. people never leave. Um, their hometown. They might leave occasionally, but then they always come back. Um, and you, it's because of that's where all your friends and your family are. But it's also it's because that's where people have contacts, make you know, essentially create uh, livings for themselves. But what if that doesn't have to be true anymore? Now, obviously, your your family will still be you may be centrally located in wherever town you're from. But what if you didn't have to be so dependent on a geographic area anymore for the sake of earning a living? That question has always been in the recesses of everyone's mind because everyone always fantasizes about, you know, where am I going to go on vacation? Well, what if you could live full time where you have always fantasized about going just on vacation? 
that's kind of an interesting little thing that's happening right now. What's well, a big thing that's happening? And that's the reason you see so many of these uh, markets that are typically second and third home areas or vacation areas that are now becoming primary residences because COVID has broken down all the boundaries for virtual work. And in addition to that, you have the ability for people to use um, you know, modern, obviously we're talking about high speed internet that's going to be available to everyone, not just through 5G. 5G is actually slow compared to some of the satellite technology that's going to be in everyone's hands within a matter of months in some markets, but a matter of years for the rest of the world. If you have the choice between living, say, for example, where you've only vacationed or always dreamed of vacationing, and if you could live there full time, uh, and maybe it's some remote place in the mountains, like in Murphy, North Carolina or something. You know, that's your fantasy place, but you've never been able to live there just because of all the, you know, mooring lines that have kept you to your, your the place you were born, work and school and all the things we talked about. Well, what if now you could go to school virtually and there's no real discernible difference between virtual school and real school? What if now um, societally we don't look down upon people going to college even uh, remotely through a computer? What if all of a sudden your employer doesn't care where you live as long as you're doing your work and obviously you can work virtually? What if all those things have changed? And uh, that's what we're experiencing. That's the thing that's most exciting. You can't really predict the outcome of that. But if you combine the changing demographics, essentially all the baby boomers and the Generation Zs that are starting to buy houses, and then a lot of places, I think it's a, a rational argument too. You can also um, attribute a lot of the growth in the economy, but housing in particular, to low interest rates. All of these amazing things that are happening have never happened before, and it's exciting to be part of it. There has never been, and probably never will be, aside from when humans start populating Mars, maybe, I don't know, hmm. but never be a more interesting housing market. In all the years that Julie and I have been in real estate, which is a couple decades now, it really is fascinating to see all the changes that have happened. For years, guys, the market was just basically the same, right? Everything you talked about, especially as a coach, was basically the same. But now you're looking at these incredible macro trends. Don't be afraid. It's natural for everyone to feel a little bit fearful of the changes that are happening. Embrace them, be excited about them, and be part of them. Think about yourself. Be selfish. Where do you want to live? Where, where do you want your life to be like? And maybe you want to stay put. Maybe you love where you love uh, live. Maybe everything's just as, as you've always wanted it to be. Or maybe not. You need to make those decisions because the opportunities that are going to be happening in real estate, but also in the um, overall economy, are going to be profound. Everything is going to change. How you buy, I, I was going to say how you buy cars, but that already did change. How Again, look at what COVID did just to how you buy cars, right? The whole touchless transaction. You can go online and they'll deliver the car to you. You can test drive it, decide if you want it, do the paperwork online, you're off the races. No more dealerships. Think about that. Think about the experience with buying clothes. You can now essentially have, um, you know, pictures taken. You can take pictures of yourself. Oh, did I, you know, you can do a virtual eye exam now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I bought these frames by virtually trying them on on yeah, a picture. Not that, Julie. But I know the exam. You yeah, can you do. can act. There's an app that Warbly created where you can actually have your eyes checked using your mm -hmm. app. Now, it's not a thorough, it doesn't check for glaucoma and all that stuff. Yeah. But it is a eye exam where then with that prescription, I think it's also only, it doesn't work with bifocals either. Mm. Not that either one of well, you. Well, but still, not, that's Not that good. either <laughs> one of us have bifocals. No. Because that would mean exactly. that we're officially in our no, 50s. No, but even, I mean, like groceries are touchless. You can get your groceries delivered, yeah. never see a person, do it all online. Right. You know, all of this is, is part of the new renaissance, I think. And people are talking about, you know, the new roaring 20s and right. all that kind of stuff. But, and COVID's not even dried up yet. But what do people do with the time that they were spending driving to work? What are mm -hmm. people are going to do? This is where the renaissance, this is where the, 
this what happens is generally speaking nature abhors a vacuum so if all of a sudden there was all this human effort that was spent uh, essentially reinforcing the old paradigm of living in a city driving you know sitting in traffic for an hour you know both ways to work and all the inconveniences that modern life was presenting all of us that was making it so effectively at the end of the day everyone was basically wiped out you know all if all that becomes something of the past if all that becomes something that people don't even have to deal with anymore, what are they going to do with all the time? They're not going to, well, some people will work more, but the Renaissance, what happened was is people, there was an ex a creative explosion in writing and arts and music and culture and fashion and just every possible thing, but also in a lot of business practices as well. So that's where when you give, when a whole bunch of people have a whole bunch of time, generally speaking, they're going to start filling that vacuum with something that's positive, that's good, that they've always wanted to do. That's a little unknown that we're starting to see. Um, and hopefully you're starting to experience that as well. This, again, is going to be a very exciting era of all of our lives. Hopefully you have that mindset. So what Julie and I are talking about today is how to remove toxic people from your life, or more specifically, how to identify whether or not you're the toxic person that you maybe need to th start thinking about removing that toxicity from your system so that you can make the most of what we feel is going to be the greatest renaissance of our lifetimes. In the interim, make sure if you have not downloaded and completed your 2021 business plan, please text 2021 to 855 685 1045. Text 2021 to 855 685 1045. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link. And with that link, you can download the real estate treasure map, as well as, and this is really cool, guys, make sure you get this right away Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, which is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the public domain version. But what we've added is a lot of real estate content. So all you have to do is text. 2021 to 855-685-1045. All right, Julie, we started this off yesterday and I actually ended up using your title. Oh. Um, 12 strategies to stop toxic people from driving you nuts. Yes. And we got up, I think we did the first seven. But you know, the reason actually I thought yeah, why, why yesterday I yeah. was having a little bit of issue with your title using the word toxic because why? it was, seemed a little odd you know, using the word toxic as we we're coming out of COVID, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it did seem a little, you know. Yeah, language has gotten to be a little sensitized lately. It does. It yeah, does. that's a good point. But what toxic is the perfect word for this. All right, so what's yes. the next point, Julie? Okay, so if you miss points one through seven, get caught up on yesterday's podcast. Point number eight, know that you are in good company. There is not a top producing agent in the country who hasn't had to deal with toxic people. The best ones learn from those relationships and take steps to minimize them in the future. That kind of refers a little bit to our previous point that, you know, it's easy to get hateful and, you know, throw mental darts at somebody that's, that's you know, maybe seemingly toxic because they're picking on a certain thing that happened in their transaction. And that's a natural first reaction. But then your job is to fix that problem. Your job is to move things forward and look at that for the mistake that perhaps it was. So I have a question for you. Yes. Do you remember when you originally wrote these uh, these points? I know you've updated a lot of these, but I recognized about a, a third of these. Ago. No, it wasn't a couple. I bet you wrote this back in 2007 or 2008 originally. 18. You think? 18? Well, yeah. but here's the... But only... they came... It's probably mixed from other things. Right. Yeah. Well, the reason is, is because, A, I remember presenting this on a stage, but only yeah. about a third of these points. Yeah. But read your last point that you uh, the, that you just read. Isn't that interesting? The one you were saying about removing toxic people? Because nowadays, where the, most people are going to find the toxic people isn't in real life. It's oh, online. Oh, no, it's on social media. Right, it's online. Because you can get away with more that way. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think of things like Yelp, you know, where you could post something nasty without even using your own name and then somebody had to go try to defend themselves. I, I do think it's gotten worse. I think these guys have more to deal with. They do. And that, and it's almost impossible 
uh, to remove. Well, here's the rule that we always pass along. I don't want to step on any of your future points. But the bottom line is, guys, is really it's what your mom always, always used to tell you. If you don't have, some, have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Don't be one of these people that starts complaining anywhere online because, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff's going to follow you forever. And you then could have, like, you may have made some complaint about some restaurant that, you know, just for whatever word, uh, reason, you didn't necessarily wordsmith it as well as you could. And so the actual complaint makes you sound a little bit trivial and a little bit nasty. Well, that complaint is going to follow you forever. So our strongest suggestion, and remember, when you put content on somebody else's website, Julie mentioned Yelp, you don't know how they're going to use that content. You, you are giving them permission to use what you just entered in. So the strongest of suggestions that we have for all of you is just never say anything bad about anything or anybody using a pseudonym or especially your own name online. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Just don't do it. It's just a bad idea. Professionally, it's a terrible idea. Personally, it's a terrible idea. It goes on your permanent record. Remember well, when we were growing up and yeah, that was the threat? Totally. It's now it's go the internet. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, literally, Europe, that's true. In Europe, they have something called the right to be forgotten. Do you know what that I, is? Yeah, where you can scrub everything legally and be done with it. Yeah, but they had to sue Google. The EU had to mm -hmm. sue Google in order to make it so that if people chose not to be indexed inside Google, they had the right to be forgotten. Yeah, uh, but I, I think crazy. it's almost impossible for them to actually do that. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, well, the, you're leaving a footprint everywhere, so be careful about that. So that that's on the that's on the what you can control end of things. You want to hear something really crazy though? Sure. And this goes to the fact that I know these some of these points are from longer ago than uh, 18, mm -hmm. because AI wasn't even a thing. So here's mm -hmm. the thing that people don't understand: artificial intelligence actually is reading everything that's being said online in print, but also listening to everything that's being said on Clubhouse and some of these new audio apps. So you're going to essentially, what we're doing essentially is building profiles for ourselves that are eventually going to be able to, the artificial intelligence, this is the theory anyway, but it makes sense, is eventually going to be able to create an exact uh, audio representative. In other words, you could hear Julie's voice that an AI is creating because it's got all of the storing of phraseology that she used on mm -hmm. all the places that she said things online and all the different little audio clips that maybe she left here and there. Now in the future, and the future is not that far away, right? The future, literally that could be used against you. You could have somebody, you guys know what like a video spoof is or deep fakes and things like that. I know I'm sounding a little ahead of my skis and maybe you guys think that sounds a little extremist, but the reality of it is there's every reason to believe that's where some of this tech or some, how some of this technology could be misused. So get ahead of that curve and never say anything bad about anybody online ever. <laughs> That's exactly. really the bottom line. Yes. Politically, especially. Especially. <clears throat> Excuse me. Point number nine, challenge yourself to make it a game of being one step ahead until you close. One step ahead of your client. Remember that you are making, remember what you're making to deal with the situation. Chances are you're still making good money per hour, so put on those big girl panties and get to work. <laughs> that was obviously written by me. Um, so here's the thing, though. Yes, your goal is to be one step ahead. I, you know, I remember I could almost name distinct clients that kind of forced me to resystematize things in the business back then, and it, it was always a race to be one step ahead of them. But it did make us better because we were having to think. More like the client. You know, I just wrote an article for, uh, I can't remember which realtor magazine, but it had to do with uh, TCs, transaction coordinators. And the question I was supposed to write about was, uh, what can a transaction coordinator do to really make the agent shine, to really make that uh, a great experience? And I was talking about this very point, be one step ahead. And the fact that real estate clients tend to freak out when they have little to no information 
If they have no communication, do they tend to go to the positive or to the negative? Most people, whether they're in real estate or not, people in general will skip to the negative conclusion. No information is bad information. So what I was writing about was challenge yourself to over-communicate. Let people know what happens next. Call your clients, even if there's nothing going on, let them know that you're thinking about them and their deal is on track. And you'll have less people coming unglued. One of our, our original points yesterday was that sometimes people are perfectly stable until they're you know involved in a real estate transaction. And it's just so much stress that they lose their mind temporarily. It's not that they're evil, stressful people. It's just they can't deal with what our well, listeners deal with day in and day out and get used to. So you're triggering a couple of thoughts, and thank you for doing so. So number one is the fact that most people avoid the types of stress that they are all experiencing in a real estate transaction. They, they avoid that with everything they've got their yes. entire lives. And if you think about it, the things that are most stressful to people are birth, death, you know, moving is right up there. Just all these big life-changing type things. People go through massive amounts of stress, but some of the things that cause people the most stress are anything to do with big financial decisions, which by the way, is the reason that realtors, or at least good ones, will always have jobs because people are always gonna want someone to help them through the process. And it's not gonna just be somebody located in Seattle or whatever. It's gonna be a real worthy, skilled real estate agent that's going to basically be helping them through that process. So along those lines, when you're actually uh, you know, thinking about whether you're going to be relevant or not going forward, that's essentially the assurance that you won't ever have anything to worry about. So keeping yourself to the point where you know you are going to be the agent that people are going to use. Um, that, so That was point number 10. Mostly. That was point number 10. I thought I was just reading it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, so let, let me uh, finish that out. It is the biggest, most serious transaction most people have ever done. The tendency is to freak out and come unglued, not to become a meditative, calm Buddha. Be there for your clients, even if they're driving you crazy. They're stressed. Have some compassion. You don't know what else is happening in their life, right? Somebody said on Clubhouse this morning, you know, he's somebody that uh, door knocks and, and calls, that he has realized that he's got to hear a certain amount of no's before he hears a yes, and that the same person that was a little grumpy with him today, if he calls him tomorrow, could be completely fine. It's just that today, maybe his pet hamster died. You know, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. I remember that. He, I forget what his little saying was, but... Um, you know, essentially it's never no. And this is what you tell yourself in your mind, right? It's not, it's not no, it's just no, not right now. That's all it is. So if you hear the word no, it's not, you know, straight up no. And, and try not to take it personal. I know as you're getting uh, more efficient at uh, being a proactive lead generator, a no feels personal. And by the way, it always feels slightly personal. And that's okay if it feels slightly personal, because then it'll cause you to be introspective and get better at your craft. But just remind yourself, it's never really no. It's just no, not right now. And here's a little funny fact too. As you're uh, essentially learning to be a proactive lead generator and you call, let's say for example, and all of you who've been proactively lead generating for a while, you know this, you may have called a old expired and then a month later, you know, where the first month they told you absolutely not, not interested in selling it, we're going to keep it forever. And then maybe a month later and they said, you know, you say, well, can I, can I'll give you a call back sometime in the future and just check in with you and they say, fine. And then you call them back later. They don't even remember they talked to you the first time. No. So that just goes to show that it's absolutely not personal. People are just you know, going through life and worrying about what's next on their agendas, not necessarily worrying about your feelings and your emotions. Um, but here's the thing I was trying to, the point I was trying to make before. The whole toxic people thing, what weak salespeople will do is they'll then start blaming the customer 
for uh, essentially acting irrational, whereas the reality of it is, is what's causing you the agent stress is your inability to deal with the customer as they're acting irrational. Acting irrational is the customer's entitlement. They're allowed to act a little quote unquote toxic, but what you're not allowed to do is basically write that person off because of the fact that you don't have the, the skill set mentally and emotionally um, and psychologically, frankly, to deal with that person's stress. It's part of the job is dealing with their stress. So if you find yourself only attracting, you know, what you consider to be hard clients to work with, it's probably the clients are probably normal. It's probably how you're reacting to normal people under stress. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I, I've had calls with uh, pretty experienced agents that get into a like a batch of three or four transactions that all have very stressful situations. And they start to try to convince themselves that something's gone wrong in real estate. You know, right, definitely. It's like, I, I need a six-month break. I got to get out of here. It's just become too toxic. And when we tear apart those deals and we look at what actually happened, there's usually like three or four key mistakes that happened where maybe you didn't manage that client's personality or you didn't let them know what was on the horizon. Something wasn't disclosed. There's something, you know, popped up and, and caused that freak out. It's not actually something wrong with real estate. It is having to up your skill set. So two conclusions. One, number one is you can't pre-qualify toxic people completely out of your life, though using your pre-qual scripts will certainly help early detection. But, but you can take steps to minimize the times you deal with them. You've got to learn from those experiences and be inspired to generate more business, not to go the other direction, not to say, I can't handle any more of this, but to say, yes, I'll generate more so that I can, you know, when I generate enough to tolerate. Let's love. I, I have a question about that. What you wrote, because just mm -hmm. a, uh, it's a clarification. Uh, you can pre-qualify toxic people completely out of your you life. Can't. Doesn't, you no. can't. Oh, you can't. Okay, no. got it. I missed her. Oh you. no. Yeah, you, you can. can try. Right. Well, normal people, yeah. the nicest person in the world is going to become a little unhinged when they're going through a real estate transaction, even if you're doing everything right for all sure. the reasons we previously stated. So don't take it personally is the real big takeaway here. So secret, increase your skill set to protect your mindset, your family, your bank account, your heart and soul will thank you. Take control so you don't lose control. That's very good. Thank you. Nicely written, Mrs. Well, Harris. You know, we've been through the grinder. I'll tell them a real quick story uh, and then we'll, we can wrap. I, I very much remember, and you, you probably will too, we had a listing in Gahanna, which was next to one of our, our main markets, New Albany Country Club. And I remember, I, I, like I have this very distinct memory of like coming out of a closing, standing in a, a parking garage, having to take this really wound up seller's phone call. He was just pissed about something. And I remember hanging up going, this is almost the perfect transaction. I have no idea where his stress is coming from. He was relocating. Like where there's nothing actually wrong. It's just that the act of moving was stressing him out. Okay. And so this was actually, this was a buyer moving into Gahanna. Um, we had sold them the house and he was freaking out. Everything closed. Everything was fine. But I remember it was such a difficult situation. I think I actually might've deleted them from our database <laughs> because they, they just were just so hard to deal with. Well, fast forward about four years, they get relocated again and they call us to list the property, much to my own shock, right? I don't know if you remember this, but I remember walking out of that listing appointment with uh, the wife, and I, I remember asking her like, gosh, you know, I, I thought you guys were kind of stressed out about when you bought this. I'm kind of surprised to have gotten your call. I actually, that's like how bad it was that I actually said that, and she goes, I know my husband is super difficult to deal with. You guys are the only ones who actually handled him with all of our moves. Thank I you. I don't remember that at all. But I. But do, that's a big lesson, though. But I do remember uh, uh, the hills. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, another great story. Th- this, of stress. this was, but this. Let me oh set it up because this story is really funny. That's so, right. So I'll even use his name. I don't think he would mind. No, he wouldn't mind. Well, no, I won't. I won't use his name in case he does well, mind. You just mentioned his last name, but oh, I did. Okay. Okay. Well, Hills. Yes. Okay. So we worked with this. Uh, th- it was this really kind of cool house, but it was down in this floodplain area. That was an, uh, it, that's all you need to know. And they, they were fizzbowing. And this, this house, because it had literally, like we walked in and everything in the house was brand new and it was perfect. They had this incredible, you know, river view that was like three doors. The river was right there. And it turns out, well, this house got, gets flooded like on, you know, a re- fairly regular. actually, honest to God, flooded. Yeah. It had on a fairly regular basis, the house gets flooded. And this and was there, it for sale by owner too. Right. That's what I said. And the reason everything was new is because they just remodeled it and they wanted to move. And guess where they wanted to move? They wanted to move up to this, uh, t- this neighborhood on top of this hill. In other words, they wanted to get the hell away from the, from the, the water, uh, the, the water, the right? scenery. But this, this was so stressful for him. But here's, here is the funny part. We didn't know this at the time. Well, we knew he worked at the Columbus Zoo, but we didn't know what his job was. So every time we would, I mean, we this happened like three different occasions. You know, we would be we'd be over there at their house and we'd be showing it or just doing something as part of the transaction. And he'd come home and he would be grumpy, but even worse is he really, really stunk. Okay, I mean, stunk like and stunk. Like maybe worked at a zoo kind of stunk. Well, but worse than worked at the zoo. Like he was the zoo. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, we, we we get the property sold. And uh, they have us over for like a glass of wine and they're super nice and relaxed. And um, they turned out to be just some of the sweetest, nicest people. They sent referrals to us even after we stopped selling real estate that we then referred to other agents, mostly our coaching clients. Just wonderful, wonderful people. He still works at the zoo and he's actually very, very famous. But okay, so here's the story. And we didn't know this. We knew he worked at the zoo, but we didn't know what he actually did at the zoo. What he did at the zoo was he was the gorilla handler. And there was a gorilla in particular that would basically every time he saw, uh, you know, Zookeeper Hills would throw his poop on him. So there's this big ass gorilla (laughs) in the Columbus Zoo that every time he would just sit there like he wasn't going to do anything. And he would always have a little bit of poo in his hand. And every time Mr. Hills was somewhere in, you know, receiving receiving distance, he would have poop thrown on him. So it was hard for Mr. Hill to be in a good mood about selling his house when he was basically walking around in fear of dodging gorilla poo. (laughs) So it was kind of funny because afterwards he actually switched from taking care of the gorillas, big surprise, and he like became the bird guy or something. You know, I don't remember yeah, what it was. Yeah, but you know, the moral of the story is they started out as a for sale by owner. It was not an easy house to sell. It was actually in the floodplain. Yep. They came across quite stressed out on virtually every phone call. It was essentially very, it was incredibly hard to sell, but we got it, it sold. We did. We actually did get it. I think it was one of our hardest listings ever. Definitely. Um, and then they bought with us. And and that and, yeah. and frankly, they made it, he made it a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. He didn't think we could get it sold. Yeah, he was just kind of negative through the whole thing. Right. Even at the closing, I, I remember at the closing on the buy side, uh, you know, back when everybody would get it a round table and actually close, um, the title agent said, okay, now we're in flood. Here's the flood zone. It's in flood zone X. And I remember I I had thought to my head, I've got to explain to him that flood zone X is a good thing. It's not like X marks the spot. This is bad. This is on his new house up the hill. Yeah. And he, oh. he threw his keys down on the table and walks out. And I we're all left there like, there was no WTF well, then, you, but if you, there you, was. You skipped okay. over an important part. This yeah. is the closing of the house they were they're buying. buying. Right. And when they're going through the normal process, they get to the flood zone thing. And the title agent showed them that it was in flood zone X. He thought for sure. That, somehow, that was bad. Right. And even though this house that he was buying was, I don't even know how big this ass hill was. Big. But if the river would ever flood yeah. that house on top of that hill, yeah. it's all over But I anyway. remember leaving the closing table going, 
you know, why, what? And he goes, I told you I didn't want to live anywhere near the water in any flood zone. I'm like, okay, let's review what flood zone X means. So that it was like stressful beginning to end. But uh, ultimately, and they had moved to different zoos across the country, they ended up being some of the most loyal, most sweetest, kindest. They gave us closing presents. I mean, the way they act while they were pending was not who they really are. Right. I think that there's a big moral to the story there that we've got to recognize the level of stress, especially in today's market, you know, where it may be knock down, drag out for a while before you get to the finish line. This is pretty stressful. And that people during the pending, it's kind of like a different representation of who they are. And then you get to, you know, if you're lucky and you retain them and, you know, you do what you're supposed to do with your past clients, you become friends and repeat and referral business. So don't judge somebody by their pending behavior. Yeah, exactly. And that by judging, she means don't buy, don't throw them in the toxic bucket and just think yeah, and wash your hands of them and feel justified. Right. Yeah. Push yourself through it because some of those folks are going to be some of the best clients you'll ever have for all the reasons we've stated. And frankly, we could tell them stories like that till the cows come home. I mean, our, yeah. some of our we most, sold thousands of homes, yeah. so we have you know it's the it's a numbers game. And some of the most loyal ones were some of the most stressed ones, like Definitely. for sale by owners, like short sales. Quite frankly. And, and I think it's because they had a very specific problem to solve, like in the case of the flooding house. And, and so when you get them to the finish line, they're just so grateful versus maybe something that was really easy to sell and they kind of in the back of their head thought they could do it on their own. You know, I, I think you really have to be cognizant of what people go through and, and be the leader in the transaction. That's it. And the main way to do it is what we told you guys yesterday is show emotion without being emotional. I know it's easier to say than do, but do build an emotional wall around yourself. You know, this high, high wall so that you can, yes, be a professional, help people solve their problems. But don't your job is not to be the sponge and to, to no. absorb you. And that's a, that's typically a problem that amiable people will bring on themselves. I, I absolutely felt that way for a lot of you'll burn yourself out, not just for other you for can't work, absorb it. right? And for your family, you think you felt you think it's absolutely necessary part of the transaction for you to absorb their stress and feel their emotions. You don't have to. Matter of fact, you're less effective if you absorb their stress and their energy. Your job is to essentially get the transaction done, show emotion without being emotional. You don't have to just act like some sort of you know disinterested third party. Um, but that is a, how you end up being in this business for a long period of time because you have not burned yourself out. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you've helped people during the most stressful times in their lives. And, and again, th this is yeah. the reason that when you look back, when you think about real estate, it can be the biggest blessing ever, or it can be the biggest curse ever. It just depends on the approach that it's you, how you take. how you process it. It does. It's yeah. really amazing. Uh, but you are in the right place at the right time as far as what's happening in the market right now. Now do the right thing and learn how to become a listing agent. If you guys want to talk with us about joining our premier coaching program, hop over to timandjulieharris.com and check out the premier coaching. Um, it is really the fast track for all of you to become listing agents, which I'm sure all of you will agree at this point is the most sane thing you can be doing right now in really this unhinged market that we're all experiencing. If you guys need us for anything, if there's anything we can ever do for you, if you want to talk with us about joining our eXp family, please uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, 
Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.